It is Locked on Jazz for the 29th of April as the Utah Jazz season comes to a close sooner than we'd hoped or expected. And we try to digest why. Where did we get misguided or where did the season go awry? What does it mean and how are we all feeling? It's coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen each day and for being a part of this jazz community. We are free and available for you on all platforms. The season is over. We are not. I will continue to bring you content and uh, bring you Locked on Jazz each and every day. And then we'll go to three days a week at some point, do our interview series, all the things we usually do. Thanks very much for stopping by for a little 1230 show. We were kind of all over the map this recently. Um, I apologize. I think I blew your you out. To start the show, I was tipped off by Holly that I have a tendency to jump the mic right when I start the show, and I did it again, and now I realized it. Uh, so I apologize for this. You got blasted to start the show there. Um, so, wow, today sucks. Um, I'll share. I, I feel like we're all part of a community, so I'll share on a personal level. Uh, I literally just walk around the house today in a total stupor. Um I could sleep all day out of depression. Um, on a you know on a personal level, I think it's it's threefold, and I'm sure you feel a lot of the same stuff. So one of them is there's nothing I enjoy more than calling basketball games. Like I just it's a such a rush. I love it more than anything in the world. Prepping for a game and digging into the numbers and seeing them come to fruition and. You know, knowing that Dorian Finney-Smith coming into the series that Donovan was 6 of 19 this year when guarded by Finney-Smith and 8 of 26 and what's going to happen with that. And then it turns out it becomes 22 of 74 going into the last game. And it's a huge, and to know that and be on it, it's the huge thrill to me to call a game with that. It's truly what I live for. And to not be able to do what I love more than anything in the world for you know, seemingly up to five months, if I get to do it again next year, then that's the, you know, that's, that's hard. Um, you start this season, this one was a little funky because we got taken off the road for two months, but you get into this cycle of where you're just living to the next game, but you're also living with these wonderful people. And those wonderful people are Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert and, and, and Donovan Mitchell that, you know, well, they're also, you know, uh, Eric Phillips, the trainer. It's Eric Waters, one of the trainers. It's Ron Kimmins, the sports psychologist or sports performance, mental sports performance. It's it's Jeff Watkinson and Vince Lagarza and Brian Bailey and Lamar Skeeter and Quinn Snyder. And it's the whole crew. And you're around them all the time. It's Becca Ward, who you've never heard of. And it's these, it's the two great women that sit at the front desk when you went came to the pro- practice facility, Shar and Haley. 
Um, and, and they're a part of your lives. It's the ushers that you see at the arena every night that you get a smile from and you have camaraderie and you have community and you have a feel for. Um, it's Niall Campbell, who I just think is awesome and I've got to know and she brings juice every time I see her. Um, and it's all those people. And to me, you know, I, I, I see here, you know, I, I hope we trade Rudy and Mike Conley and that's hard for me. Those are humans that I know and I really like Rudy and I really like Mike and, you know, Mike's wife is particularly active on Instagram. So you feel like, you know, their family. Um, but I, you know, it's the, it's the interview sessions, which aren't as good as they once were because of the way COVID has kind of destroyed the media. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, somebody just took a cheap shot on Keon Dooling, who's obviously going through a tough time. Great, wonderful dude. Maybe one of my most favorite nights of the whole year was sitting next to Keon at a dinner in Minnesota and being with him and feeling his juice. One of the great people I've been around having juice. So that's a cheap shot. And I got, you know, like, I think you can go fly a kite. Um, I think it's too bad. I hope, you know, but, you know, one of the really wonderful people who helps everyone around him, like that's, that's Keon's juice. Um, you know, and so I, you know, these are humans to me. And I understand that for a lot of people, um, you know, they're vehicles for our entertainment and they're vehicles by which in some ways, you know, are not that different than a piece on the old Stratomatic board or a status pro board or your, you know, ESPN trade machine where you're just moving a name. Um, you know, I think it's hard. So today sucks. Um, I, I literally walk around the house depressed. I'm in a stupor. I, I uh, actually didn't set an alarm, forgot about DJ and PK, woke up, went to the gym, and then have just been like sitting at a table doing nothing. And I am like the most non-sit-still person on the planet. Um, and and so it sucks. It totally sucks. It sucks on a social level. It sucks on a professional level. And then, you know, as a fan, this wasn't what we wanted either. So let's let's delve into that because I think that's the next stage of this conversation. I don't know that you really give that much of a crap about how I'm emotionally feeling, but I just thought I'd share. I mean, it's just a really weird, I was actually texting with Steve Nyman, the American downhiller um, today. And I think like he probably gets it right. He lives this world cup circuit. You're going to dinner with these people. You know, I'll share one other just personal note for you on this. And and this is actually just really makes me sad. Um, and you know, there could be a lot of changes is there's something funky about living on the NBA season on the road. It's, it's incredibly simultaneously the most incredible feeling of camaraderie and the most lonely thing I've ever done in my life. I love it. I, when I get, we get taken off the road, it's brutal. Um, cause you're, cause you lose that community and that feel at the same time. You, it's so lonely, right? Going back into a hotel room by yourself for another night or like you roll into a city at three o'clock in the morning and you're like, what the f- am I doing? Um, and what happens because of that, at least for me, is that I hold conversations with Craig Bowlerjack and Thurl Bailey and Holly Rowe and Jeff Watkinson and Brian Bailey and Vince Lagarza and Quinn Snyder and Mike Conley um, and others that are really very, very real. Far more real than like if we have our good friends, the Haas or the Davidsons or whoever over for dinner on a given night. Those are a little bit more frivolous. What's going on in the world? How's everything? A lot of the conversations that we have over dinner are not just X's and O's and how do you get the pick and roll defense to be better, but are crazy real conversations about 
how I'm raising my 17 year old daughter because I'm on the road and feeling like I'm the worst flipping parent on the planet. Cause I'm not with her while she's having a struggle while, you know, one of the coaches is sharing how his wife is dealing with having a newborn and being home alone. Like it's an incredible bond and it ends in like this moment and just rips away from you and it's gone and it sucks. Okay, by the way, if you think this show is for you as a jazz fan, this is seriously just a therapy session for me. If you haven't figured this out yet, this like opening segment is purely 110% lock therapy session. And the community that I always talk about that I love so much that I appreciate is truly doing me a service right now. Because this is what I'm just sitting around feeling right now in just such an incredible stupor. And I want to cry, to be honest. Uh, It's just how I feel. Just like broken. And so you guys, I always tell you that we're a community and we're a nation and you drive me. I posted on Instagram last night that there's two things. The the one is that there's nothing I love more than the art of calling a game. I I would call a game in an arena of myself for the evergreen Skyhawks. They don't exist because I love calling games. I, 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 I will, if they let me, I will be the broadcaster. You have to tap on the shoulder who says, by the way, you're terrible. You've got to retire. You're terrible. And then I'm going to go down the street to Park City High School. And I'm going to be like, can I call your football games? Can I call your – because there's nothing I love more in the world than calling games. There's also nothing that drives me more as a person than your passion for your team. I think about you every single day as I do this job, driving me to do a better job. So – if, I'm not full of crap when I tell you I feel like it's a community. And today might be the ultimate point of that is that truly I'm just sharing with you about how sh- crappy I feel today. Um, and I think in your own way that you have it. Like I, I really view the NBA season in a lot of ways as this amazing, you know, like sitcom, right? Like I've got The Wire and Breaking Bad and Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and all these other things that we've all delved into and, you know, what was – undaunted or daunted i don't know like we've all seen our we all have our shows right like secession and whatever i don't actually watch any of them because i just watch the nba and to me it's this like crazy sitcom that starts in september october and just run or or drama that runs all the way through and then i just got to the last episode when i didn't realize it and now i don't have that so i'll watch everybody else's drama all right let's get into the season um, and what went wrong? I have a million thoughts. Some of them, I don't even know which ones are good right now, honestly. Um, I'm just going to start sharing like a, a, a plethora of diarrhea, the mouth of thoughts on what happened this year, what's happened in our last three years. And, um, and then I'll, I'd love to do it. I, I have this crazy idea. There's a, there's a way that I can actually like invite you guys into the show and take your thoughts. We'll do that next week, actually. Will you guys stay with me and still listen next week? Next week, maybe we should do it today. Let's do it today. All right, this is going to be fun. I This is going to be crazy. If anybody wants to jump in and ask a question to the show or share their thoughts on the season, I'm going to let you jump on your camera and jump in. It is in the chat room. For those of you that are all live watching the show, there's a little link, and then I can let you in and, and bring you in for a quick second. And we'll do that. Um, and I'll, I got all week to share all of my thoughts. We'll do this. I did my therapy. Now it's your turn. How's that? This is not a well-organized lock show. 
the the usual lock show has like this list of notes and this and that. There are no notes today. It is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning into the show. I do greatly appreciate you doing so. Friday shows brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Also located in Linden and in Logan, as uh, the Murdoch family has been with Utah for over 80 years. That's why they're not charging more than MSRP right now in any vehicles, because of the fact that they want to be a part of the community with you and they don't want to be walking around saying hey for five i got an extra five grand out of the guy over on the third pew or that person in the grocery store that's not who the murdochs are the murdoch lineup of cars are amazing if you're looking for an electric car can i really strongly suggest you take a go take a quick look at the ionic it is amazing i test drove it recently for my dad who was looking at electric car and um i was super impressed by it so go check that out the 2020 kona 2022 kona 2020 who Tucson are both all available for you in the Santa Fe and the Sonata was the North American car of the year. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, I've got a neat company. It's called summit cap. We've actually hooked up a few uh, listeners with uh, this. Uh, it's kind of neat. So if you are working at a company right now and you know, family owned business or something and the ownership group either doesn't want to push the company where you think they can go or, you know, they have every right, right? They it's a lot of work there at that stage or they're looking to step out. Summit Capital is a local investment group out of Utah County that's looking to provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of a business they work in. Um, or obviously owners who want to seek their sell their businesses, talk to Summit Capital. But the, the real model is Someone's working the business, knows how it works. They don't have the personal capital to take the company, but they know how to take the company. That's your equity. They'll bring in the financial equity and get it going. If you want to reach out to Matt, you can text him at 801-796-2033. A bunch of people have forgotten the number. Just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. 801-796-2033. Locked on jazz at summitcap.utah. We'll also do it. That's locked on jazz at summitcap.utah. They're entrepreneurs themselves. They approach investing from that mind. They were great with locked on. They invested in locked on. They never asked for a timeout. Uh, They gave me the great compliment at the end where they said, I wished... Frankly, I wish we had invested more. So that was great. Uh, all right. Uh, it is Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for making this first listen. If you're an NFL fan, I couldn't be prouder of what Locked On did yesterday with the Locked On NFL draft. Uh, we've got a studio out of WFAA. Our local experts bring insight that's actually unequaled by ESPN and anybody else in NFL Network. Our college experts have watched these players since they were recruits coming in and were amazing with their stories yesterday. So make sure you check it out. All right. I'm not sure what I think of this. I think a bunch of guys are driving and they're going to jump on the show. But let's try this. Taylor, how are you? Hey, David, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much for jumping on the program. We're glad to have you aboard. I don't love the fact you're driving right now. So let's make this quick and make you safe. Okay. I was just going to say, I feel like, uh, you know, with Rudy Gobert, it just feels like there are guys that get better in the playoffs. And then there are guys that, you know, they kind of stay the same. And when everybody raises their level, it feels like, you know, like it feels like he becomes average and, you know, like I'm looking at the game and that's my feeling. And then I go look at the stats and it feels like the stats back that up. So it's interesting. So the first, thank you, Kate, I'm going to get you, Taylor, I'm going to drop you. Can you, you'll still be able to hear me if I drop you off, right? Yep. All right. Cause I want you to drive safely. Yes. But I appreciate your seatbelt is. Um, so, I mean, I think the first thing that's really interesting about this series is the Jazz defense actually got better in each and every game of the series. Um, and the Jazz actually defensively did enough to win games 
four, five, and six. They only won um, one of them. But defensively, they were actually good enough to to, to get all of those. Um, and so I think that that's, um, you know, to me, that's – so on the sense of Rudy, from a defensive standpoint, what there's no question is that Rudy's the best pick-and-roll defensive player in the NBA. And as a series goes on, teams probably run less and less pick-and-roll. And what they do very clearly, as we saw in just about every single one of these games, is that the – they spread the floor to five out. Dallas went and did this in the third quarter as they did not play Dwight Powell in that in the second half of this game. And then you've removed Rudy from the middle of the floor and you're, you're driving uh, to the basket. Rudy then helps and they kick out to shooters. Like it's just the same story that we've seen so many times. Now, what's interesting about this is in that third quarter, if you look at the, the game log on the third quarters, we always do during the season. And what, what you see is that they had this, the, you know, that was, that was the backbreaker. Um, and they had to do, you know, all the strengths of the jazz in the first quarter are off defensive rating in the first quarter of the game. Our defense rating for the whole game last night was a one Oh four. Like that should win every single one Oh six. That should win every game. And our first quarter is a 62.5. We, we were just brilliant. And we were really good when Maxi Kleba came in. Um, in the second quarter, our defensive rating was a 113, which is still good enough to win. And it actually wasn't very, it was really good when Maxi Kleba was on the floor, when they were spread out a little bit. In the third quarter, when Dwight Powell plays two minutes and 44 seconds, um, and our defense falls apart. They go to one fit, they have a 156. And that's the series right there. That's the that's the backbreaker is that stretch of basketball. And then the fourth quarter, we tighten the screws back down and went to a 95.5. And so what happens in that third quarter? To some extent, they go crazy shooting. You look at their minutes played in the third quarter. Uh, you know, Dwight Powell plays 244. Maxi Kleba plays four minutes. So they go to six minutes of sm- really small ball. Finney Smith, Bullock, Brunson, Doncic, Dinwiddie. And they don't miss and they've spread the floor, and they're getting good looks. And so it's not, I guess we can say it's that Rudy Gobert is less good. It's that people figure out how to play Rudy Gobert's brilliance and negate his impact, and we didn't have a roster around that could protect against that. And then I think the legitimate question is, you know, Rudy's inability offensively to take advantage of that switch. That That's really the part that's too bad, that Rudy – on the offensive side, has just never gained the skill to be able to take advantage of that switch. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, we've generally been the number one offense in the, we were the number one offense in the NBA for the whole season. So the fact that the offense did not come along for the playoffs is the stunner to me. Like we'll spend a huge amount of this offseason talking about defense, defense, defense. The offense did not come play along in the playoffs. Right, our offensive rating in Game One was a one thirteen. It's not great. It's not bad. Our offensive rating in Game Two, I actually don't have up on my sheet for some reason. Our offensive rating in Game Three was good. It was a one twenty four, but we just didn't defend it at all. In Game Four, our offensive rating was a one sixteen, which is uh. And in Game Five, our offensive rating was an eighty four, which is disaster. 
And, you know, maybe it's as simple as not making shots, right? We finished, what, 23 of our last 100 from three? I don't know why. Like, just is that unfortunate timing? Is that the speed of the defense accelerates and our guys aren't as athletic and they don't make the shot? Um, You know, I just, you know, that's, to me, the bigger question is, why couldn't we shoot in the postseason? Now, Let's give some credit out, right? So Dallas came into the game as the number one catch and shoot defense in all of the NBA. We had that. That's that's back to the first segment of the show. Like, what do I love more than anything is having like that note and that number and understanding that. So Dallas was the number one catch and shoot defense in all of the NBA. Dallas took away our transition. Dallas was the third best transition team in the NBA this year, I believe. Um, Dallas was the third, fifth best team in the league at denying above the break threes and third best team in the league at, at defending the above the break three. So, you know, maybe it's a length question, speed. Our guys aren't, you know, the, it, the, the windows were closing faster. I'm not sure, but I think that's, you know, that, that needs to be answered. Uh, let's go to James. James, what do you got for me? Thanks for jumping in to our first ever like live guest locked on jazz therapy session. I appreciate the therapy. Some of us needs it. This come, this is coming from somebody that remembers your RV trip how many years ago, and I didn't know where I was going to get my jazz news for a month, and while I was like in my early 20s, that really affected me because I didn't know where to go <laughs> to find my jazz news, so that was a big deal. Um, I want to actually no talk RV more trips, about but I, I will tell you that I had part of I had a plan that I was actually planning to drive my van to the game yesterday all packed up, and then if we lost, I was just going to take off. Um, but I thought that was in really bad taste, so I decided not to. So I'm just in a stupor, but I probably should have taken off in my van today. Hey, with everybody else's mental state, I think we can all understand why you would do something like that. My, my question actually has a little bit more to do with that. I know you mentioned a lot when you were working in Seattle about a team that really loved the, loved each other. The next year they came back, and they just didn't have the same kind of you know magic to them, I guess you would call it. Mine is you know, with this team, the way it's constructed, I don't think there's a lack of talent there, but you know, is there a way that you can change almost this feeling around the team going into next year? Cause the, the coaching staff seem great. You know, the individual talent seems great. There is some, you know, so, some things there that need to be cleaned up obviously, but I, I feel it's, it's, it's obviously more of a mental than it is a physical thing as we see the team that played so well over the past couple of years, just all of a sudden lose this. I don't think it's a lack of talent. It's just a thing of magic. And, and with your experience being around NBA teams, as long as you have, is there a mental way to get across this to where you don't have to blow up the team or take these drastic steps and be a Houston and I have to watch awful basketball for the next 10 years? Like, but what is your feeling on just cleaning up maybe the mental side and maybe resetting something to come fresh into a season next year, maybe have some more success? So I have about 12 incongruent thoughts to this. and I'm just going to throw like a lot of spaghetti at the wall. So just fundamentally, as a San Francisco Giants fan, I do not believe in rolling a team back one year to the next. I just don't believe in it because it's not continuous. If it was contiguous, I might believe in that theory. But the minute the season's over, everyone goes home and gets different voices coming at them, and they move to a different year in their contract, and they move to a different level of things. And so no season actually melds to the next. So I fundamentally 
we've seen it with the my Giants baseball reference. If you don't know it, is that they win the World Series, they roll it back, they suck. They change their roster, they win the World Series, they roll it back, they suck. They change their roster, they win the World Series, they roll it back, and they sucked again. Like it's literally what they did for six years in a row. Okay, so that's one theory. My flip side is that we actually added Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside to our bench and lost Derek Favors and George Niang, which are two of the best locker room guys you'll ever be around in your whole life. And that actually might have been the item that disrupted it, that as long as Favors and Niang were in such a good mood every day, everybody else's petty little stuff that goes on naturally during a season actually had to be dismissed because those two guys are so great. And Hassan and Rudy Gay were both trying to do something that was is incredibly hard, which is go from being wildly relevant to somewhat relevant. And that's incredibly difficult. And maybe that blew up the mix. The bench energy during this series was one of the most visually noticeable things to me. Dallas's bench was up on every play. Our bench was up occasionally. And it was really only Jared Butler, Xavier Sneed, and those guys. All right, so that was two of the things. Um, I agree with you. I'm not in a fan of blowing it up because I think it's too difficult um, to build back. Um so those are my two main thoughts. I had like five others. I should have written it down, but my brain's not good enough to remember all of them. So um, I'm sure I'll come back to a bunch of them, James. I appreciate you stopping by the show and, and joining us today. Uh, we are allowing people to jump in live today, which is super risky, but I'm, I'm trusting um, the group on this one uh, today. Here's an interesting note for you. I thought this was super interesting. I didn't bring it in. So shoot, it's in the other room. Um if Memphis wins tonight, eight of eight first-round teams will win, or favorites will win. Last year, seven of eight won. In the bubble, seven of eight won. The year prior to that, eight of eight won. And the year before that, six of eight won, and we were actually one of them. So in the last five years, there's actually only been four first-round upsets if Memphis wins one of their next two games. The whole adage that the regular season doesn't matter and we're just going to turn it on in the playoffs really might not be true. Now, I understand why Quinn was doing that this year and why that was the adage around this team. After being the number one seed and getting knocked out in the playoffs, there's absolutely no chance he could have ever looked at these players and told them, like, you got to bust your ass today and be really into the regular season. Like, there was just no way that group was going to do that this year. So I'm 100% behind that of what they did. But it's a pretty interesting note that for all the talk that the regular season doesn't matter, that we're about to have eight of eight favorites win. We've had seven of eight the year before, seven of eight the year before, eight of eight, and then six of eight. So only four favorites out of the last 40 have won a series or four underdogs. Something to be, I mean, I always say you got to build your team to be in the top four in your conference. That's actually your goal. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting. All right, I, I just remembered my other thought I have on this. Is there a chance that last year led us into a false narrative about our team? I'll give you that thought. These are, I, I'm not backing any of these up today. These are all the same thoughts that I have as you as a fan just sitting around thinking about this team. So that that's, I, I'll have that. That's, that's the, is there a chance that last year actually gave us a false narrative. I would be as guilty, by the way, if anyone else is buying into it, but it jumped out to me out throughout the season as this is a possibility. I'll explain that thought here in, in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Built Bar. I actually went to the Built Bar factories this week, and, and that was really cool. Met Nick there, um, their CEO. Wow. You, there's no question why Built Bar is rolling because this guy has got it. 
the new granola bar is out. It's a new experience from Build. It's 15 grams of protein, still 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious. Coconut, chocolate, coconut, granola bar, white chocolate berry, granola bar, and the other last and final flavor is chocolate peanut butter. Granola bar. Right now, by the way, you get free built boost with any bar purchase um, available to you. The puffs are still out there. The brownie puff is not available right now, and it's amazing. Um, so go check it all. It's all at built.com, promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 to get you uh, your built bar and get the granola bars or get your built boost as well. Lock 15, get to 15% off your entire order. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.net. If you're going to jump into the baseball world or whatever it is to keep yourself entertained, uh, you can do so. The Memphis Grizzlies are a point, a one and a half point favorite, by the way, uh, over Minnesota night. They, I do not see the lines on the other series yet. I was trying to see if I could find that. Oh, here we go. Um, the Celtics are minus 205 against the Bucks. The Heat are minus 170 against the 76ers. And the Suns are minus 280 against uh, the Mavericks. Oh my gosh, Chris Paul 14 to 14 last night. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's all at betonline.net. Check it all out. Uh, it's where the game begins. All right, here's, here's a thought I have. Again, just a thought. Last year, we had continuity. I just told you I don't really believe in continuity. We had continuity last year. We went into COVID season. Our, we had all of our players knew each other. All of our players were veterans. Same coaching staff. We were better prepared for everyone else. Our coaching staff, I never really could talk about it because I didn't want to reveal an advantage. Our coaching staff had figured out inside the COVID restrictions how to get their team prepared for every game at an incredible level. They were meeting. You were only allowed to meet in groups of three, and they did that, and they found ways to prepare. The way COVID worked last year is if you were going to have a shoot-around as a team, everyone had to come into the building and get tested. If you had a testing center in your building, this was on a home game, you would get the tests. All of the tests had to be uh, completed and everyone had to be negative and then you could go shoot around if you were on the road everyone had to get up super early go downstairs one at a time get tested then ship the tests out to the testing facility which in big cities could be 35 40 an hour away all the results had to come back to you then you could get on a bus and go so nobody shot around nobody practiced because to practice you had to do the same thing it was such a hassle and the Jazz were better prepared than any other team in the NBA last year. The coaching staff figured out how to do it. The players had continuity. Quinn and the players tricked the league for the first half of the year, sending three to the glass in offensive rebounding while shooting threes in transition, and nobody was prepared for it, and nobody was taking the time to prepare. And in, we had no injuries, and we faced a bunch of teams that were injured, and we popped out and went 52-20 and 20 and had this huge thing and beat Memphis and then suddenly got to play the Clippers, who were generally thought as the best team in the league, and got exposed. Is there a chance that where the Utah Jazz are as we evaluate them as a franchise right now, that that actually was an outlier because of all the circumstance I laid out? And that actually if you eliminate that season, everything else seems to be fairly congruent. So in other words, what I mean by that is the 17-18 season, which is Donovan's rookie year, we go win 48 games. The next year we win and we get to the second round. The next year we win 50. 
The next year is a shortened season because of the bubble, but we won 60. Let's go with percentage. This will make it better. So the first year we win 59% of our games with Donovan as a rookie, 58.85. We upset. We're one of the four teams that's pulled an upset in the first round in the last five years. We get an upset and we, we go to the second round. The next year we win 61% of our games. The next year we win 61% of our games. And this year we win 60% of our games. Like if you eliminate the bubbles, the, the, the COVID season, where I do think our continuity, our front office did a good job. Our coaching staff, I think, figured it out. We tricked the league a little bit. We got unusually lucky with health. It's 59, 61, 61, 60. It's a four-year holding pattern, very similar team. And that, I'm not entirely sure that we underperformed this year. I'm just, I think we underperformed last year, but I'm not entirely sure that last year is not a really bad sample size. And not a really, really bad sample. I'm more in that camp, honestly, than I, like, I'm pretty heavily into that camp. I have not expressed this to a lot of people. Because one, I talked to the coaches a lot and to suddenly tell them that I didn't think they were as good. That would be like, eh. And so that's where I think we need to, that's how just Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith need to evaluate, Quinn Snyder need to evaluate the franchise. That's we've just been at the same place for four years. We didn't underperform this year. We've just been at the same place for four years, which can lead to anything. The place I'm actually kind of fine with. We could get, if we could just incrementally get a little better out of that, I'm kind of fine. I, I just think if you go back and look at last year's playoffs and the Clippers were just a better team than we were, and they were able to do things and the same thing got us again this year. It tells me, and that might be that, Hey, Rudy, Don, whatever it might be like, you know, we don't have we don't have a Luca, we don't have a Giannis, we don't have a like one of those guys. So anyway, that's my quick thought. All right, let's go to back out to our guest. Caden Young, how are you? Good, how are you, David? I'm good. Thanks for jumping on. A little so, a little somber today. Yeah. Um anyways, I just I wanted I wanna see what your idea is with like uh Donovan improving this this offseason. Like what what's that next step that you think? I mean, if he has to stay with the team, I I'm I'm hoping he is, but um What's that next step? That like he has an offensive game, and I know the defense isn't great, but what's that next step? Do you think he needs to so, take to really improve? Great, Caden. I, I think there's two things. One, um, you know, for whatever reason, Donovan did not play well in back-to-backs, and he didn't play well in fourth quarters after March. And like, I don't know if that's a fatigue issue or somehow managing a game or what that is, or maybe that's just his body type. But that, if I were him and his group of people that are around him. I would really dig into that. I would try to see like, because an incremental improvement in fourth quarters, he only shot 30% in fourth quarters and 20% from three after March one. His second is back to back game numbers aren't as good. Like if you could incrementally improve that, he really does take a jump. Like that's a jump. He actually got better in all sorts of categories this year. So he still improved a great deal. The, the last one is just nothing he can do about it. Six one guards are having a hard time in the playoffs. And there's nothing he can do about that. And so he's going to have to figure out the Dorian Finney-Smith issue that he had, he's going to run into in every playoffs. If we were playing the Clippers, it would be a Robert Covington issue. If we were playing the Phoenix Suns, it would be a Mikel Bridges issue. If we were playing the Memphis Grizzlies, eh, Dylan Brooks is totally overrated, so I actually don't know who it would be. Um, You know, if we're playing Minnesota, it would be a Jaden McDaniel, Jared Vanderbilt issue. Like, he's just going to run into that for the rest of his career 
no matter whether he's in Utah or anywhere else. So he, that's what he's got to figure out is how am I playing against length? And I don't have that answer. I don't know what that is, but that's same thing. Trey Young's got to worry about. Mike Conley was obviously too small in this series. Um, if you look around, six one six one guards are struggling in the NBA in the playoffs this year. Caden, great question. Appreciate it. Have a great awesome with us. Dalen, embrace the noise. Obviously, I, I kind of did the same thing as you did. I don't fit an extra large, so I didn't grab. <laughs> I, I had to buy a new shirt last night. I I actually ripped through the side of my dress shirt last night somehow. I don't know how. But in the middle of the first quarter, I looked down and my entire dress shirt had ripped. So I had to buy a new shirt yesterday. Yeah, I did kind of the same thing that you did. Like stayed up late, barely woke up to get into work. Yeah. Luckily, I'm able to work from home. This is the first time I've had any energy all day, so I appreciate I appreciate. Yeah. That. Um, my question is kind of more like retrospective. Um, this was obviously a, a rough loss just for the end of the season, but also I feel like it was kind of the end of an era. And there are a lot of different what ifs that I kind of have in my head. Like what if Edmund Sumner hadn't tried to go Cobra Kai under Donovan's ankle last season? What if we had kept Ricky and just signed Bojan? And what would that team have looked like? Those different things. But I kind of wanted to ask, what were some of your favorite moments with this team? Like by we had way, so much joy last year. Yeah. By the way, I do, the, rise, um, so. I do think the Ricky conversation is really fascinating. Like um, we'd be longer. Right. And, um, and the idea that you, like we were on one side of that spectrum where we were all defense and not enough offense. And then we went the other way and we went all offense and not enough defense. And so like, had you played somewhere in the middle, maybe that's the next iteration that Danny tries to figure out. Um, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. I think, you know, you know, had you, you, you lose the toughness of a Jay Crowder, but you add a boy on Bogdanovich's shooting and yet Ricky Rubio, you know, I do think Ricky, like, I love Ricky and I'm not trying to beat up. There's still no track record of Ricky ever playing on a high level winning team. Right. Uh, fact of the matter is like, my big joke is the best way to get great in this league is you trade Ricky Rubio. You know, we traded Ricky Rubio and went and won 50, 170% of our games. The Phoenix Suns traded Ricky Rubio and they became the number one team in the, in the West. Like it's, it's almost as though Ricky Rubio is like the perfect piece of the puzzle to take you to here. And then actually you trade him out to get to the next step. Cause he actually, but, but there's no question that Ricky, you know, to Ricky's greatest credit is I still remember in Sacramento many years ago, him leading the group out for dinner. And it was, there are always clicks in any group of a team. That's not, that's that's overrated. That's not a bad thing. There's always clicks, right? You have your group you go to dinner with. There's clicks in all of our friendships. But it was all of the clicks going out with Ricky Rubio one night in Sacramento. He brought that to the group. Um, so I think there's something to that. His leadership was a little louder. Mike turned out to not be a very big leader. Um, you know, he's he's a competitor, but he's not a vocal leader. So I don't know. I think it's a really interesting I, – I do find that one fascinating because I um, – I will be honest. I was all for trading Ricky Rubio um, because he couldn't shoot. Um, one of my most fascinating debates I used to have with Quinn Snyder was late in the game. Should we actually run every play to Ricky Rubio? Cause you know, he won't be guarded. So like the Toronto three that year where he gets the three and he's wide open. There's no one in the zip code. There's actually no one in the country that's even near Ricky Rubio and he hits the open three. And like, the question is, like, you know, in every single circumstance, Ricky Rubio will be left wide open because he supposedly can't shoot. Like, are you actually better off running every play to him late for that? And like, you know, 
Quinn is looking at me like, you're the stupidest person I've ever met in my whole life with that idea. And I'm like, no, analytically, it's a wide open three. And he's like, oh my gosh, I would be, you know, like, and then you'd murder me on your podcast. Um, so I don't know. Um, my favorite moments of the year. Wow. Um, and that might be a topic a, for another podcast. I have a terrible those, memory. But... So you're really actually asking me something I can barely do. I have to really prep. I'd have to prep that. Yeah. Um, my favorite moments of the year, by the way, have nothing to do with the, anything that ever happens on the floor. So my favorite moments of the year would actually be the dinner. I just had one of the last night dinners we just had with two of the coaches was just incredible. Um, Thurl is the greatest and to have him on the road all year long was amazing. My friendship that has emerged to a new level through shared experiences of COVID with Craig Bullerjack is one of my most favorite things. Ron Boone is the greatest human being on the planet watching shoot arounds and interactions and seeing the team. So none of all of my favorite moments of the season would be things that did not involve a game or a win. Um, in fact, like last second plays caused me incredible anxiety because I need to listen to the call for like a hundred minutes, you know, a hundred times over to figure out if I got it. I got one. I had one last second call this year. I actually liked, which never happens. Um, you know, honestly, it's like, I'll get e my egocentric here. I thought my call got way better this year. The COVID experience, which I really hated of the last two years, um, I thought actually improved my call a great deal. And I really made, in my opinion, some really dramatic changes in how I called games and what I did calling games. Um, and so for on a personal level, I think far and away, this was the best year I ever had as an announcer. Um, so just to be arrogant and totally obnoxious, um, but I'm trying to be better every day. So I, I actually felt like we did it this year. So that's it. Thanks, man. That's all I have. Appreciate Thank it. Embrace the noise. Yep. See you. Let's go to Craig. Craig, how are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm old enough to remember the good days back with Stockton and Malone. These so. are good. Like, I, I know you didn't mean that. And I don't mean to jump you. Like, these are pretty good days. Like, we're winning. These are good days. Don't get, yeah, don't get me wrong. Year. We're in the playoffs yeah. for six straight years. Like, like you know, I mean, I, I these yeah. are pretty good years. Like, I think we yeah. should be. I, I understand what you're saying. You remember the NBA Finals. By the way, I don't know if anybody saw this. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, John Stockton, Carl Malone have mirrored each other in playoff success in their years together so far. So that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Part of me says we need to make changes, but then part of me says, you know, if we stick with it a little bit with some small adjustments, we could get better like those teams did and, and kind of advance, you know, and it, I'm torn. It's like seeing Joe leave makes me feel like that was the glue thing we've been missing, you know, I somewhat disagree with you about Ricky. I, I think I think he gets a bad rap. I mean, honestly, it's like the Suns added Paul. It, that that's that was a huge upgrade. I mean, had we added Paul versus, you know, Conley, I think things would could be quite different. Um, yeah, it's it's if we're really it's really hard to find any team that's won a lot of games with a guy who shoots thirty nine percent from the field. Yeah, I you know, it's like I love him. I love him. Trust me, he's like my most favorite guy around. But like let's not forget. Let's not for like and I think the Ricky Rubio Mike Conley thing's super interesting. It's really a discussion of length issues, right? Like just how important yeah, it, the size. Because Mike yeah, got it felt like that we were lacking that. I mean, basically Conley got shut down as if he was shooting like Ricky, so it didn't matter. And 
we really were missing some of that defense. Not that the defense wasn't good. It was actually quite good, I thought. I mean, we just weren't scoring. And when you depend on threes and you can't hit them when they're open, you know, I, I just feel like health seemed like it was important this year. But at least every year I've ever watched the Jazz or other teams, it seems like you got to go in hot in the, in the, into the playoffs. That seems to be more important because you can't turn it on. So it's it's hard. I'm I want them to do well, you know. And I see Donovan. He's trying really hard. He you know he he is special. You can tell, but you know he's in my mind watching kind of the greats. He's still not quite there. He's getting there, and I'd love to see him get there because I think that would make the difference for the Jazz. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it'd be if you list the top. I haven't done this. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. If you list the top 10 players in the NBA, I don't think Don's in it right now. Um, and I don't know if he'll make first team all NBA. I don't think like, I don't think Trey Young's in that top 10 either. It'd be curious on how many of those 10 are, are still alive in the play. How many of the eight teams are left have one of those 10. Right. And then, right. And really looking at that, and then Memphis will probably be alive without one of the 10, but having beat a team without one of the 10, right? We tried to beat a team with one of the 10. Like Luke is one of the three or four best players. He's really, he's probably the best offensive player in the world, this side of Jokic. Um, And and that's kind of why I'm saying it's like, hey, let's let's keep them together. Because if he keeps improving and he does get up into that, that range, you know, where he's top 10. Maybe that's the difference in the, you know, and surrounding them with, you know, different players. I, I really think the Joe trade hurt us. I mean, I mean, it didn't hurt us because he was hurt. Well, but, yeah. You know, Joe, so it, Joe's, it inju- Joe's, injury, Joe's injury hurt us, but it didn't, yeah. it couldn't. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah no, that, hey, Craig, I, I mean, I, I think it's a really interesting discussion and debate. I, I don't think, I think we're just chatting. I don't think there was a question in there. Was there? Right. Any, any? Just so, just so I, I work with Mark Douglas and I thought I'd say, Oh, uh, he says he knows you really well. And so I thought I'd. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Throw that in there. Appreciate it. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to wrap this, um, I don't know. I don't really have anything to wrap this, but we're at time. So we'll talk all week long. We'll dig it in. The, the one thing I would leave, I know there's, I kind of saw on the, if you had an employee, I, I'm not sure I totally agree with this, but let, let's assume for a second for this discussion that you don't think Quinn Snyder had a very good year. I'm not sure I agree with that, but let's let's just go with that. If you had an employee who for seven years was great and then was not as good for a year, would you work with them to see what they could do to have seven more great years? Like, I'm not sure I buy this idea that for one year, Quinn seemingly may not have had as good a year. Well, and I actually think the truth of the matter is that Quinn had an unbelievable year last year in understanding and being ahead of the league in the COVID protocol and that our actual natural trajectory is what I said. I'm really pretty on that a little bit. Um, So, you know, keep an eye on that. All right. It is Locked on Jazz. Fun little show, just a little different than usual, a little long. Uh, I'll be with you all week next week. We'll talk about all these things. Um, feel free to hit me with questions on Twitter and I'll try to get to all of them at DLock09. Uh, thanks very much. Have a great one.